welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who believes birds need bees and ice needs whiskey. He is Cody Savenhagen. How you doing? Doing good, Kieran. Oh, man. Uh, what a week. What a week. What a week with a weird turn. And you know what? We're going to start. With the weird turn, because I'm over here, I'm going to see my dad on Friday, which uh, he might di- get discharged this week from the hospital, uh, rehab hospital that is. Uh, this week we'll see, maybe he'll go to another you know rehab facility, but uh, things are looking good, so I want to get it out, get that off the top. Haven't get an update in a while. Things are looking good, but I'm like, all right, we're gonna watch the game, you know, a little bit, and. Uh, I wasn't very attentive to my father on Friday night, I'm not going to lie, because I'm reading all this Spencer Turnbull stuff, and it's like, what is going on? And then I'm trying to explain it to him, and that's not necessarily registering, because it doesn't really register in my mind. So, <laughs> so it's funny, because we recorded because of some prior obligations that I have. We recorded last week, early on Sunday. And I'm like, all right, well, the chances are nothing like groundbreaking is going to happen and, you know, we'll be okay. In theory, I was right, but also I was kind of wrong because this Turnbull getting demoted thing turned into be to something that we did not even expect. And he's demoted, but not demoted. Y- y- you know what, Cody? Just kind of take us through it kind of step by step as you understand it, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit further because it- it's hard for me to kind of understand everything. There seems to be a lot of a lot of voices in this, and I think you being the beat reporter for The Athletic, a great reputable organization with great sources and great colleagues as well who have great sources, I think you might be able to kind of shed some light on this as much as possible for just a weird situation um wow yeah i'm still not even sure where exactly i land on this one so to just recap it from my perspective a little bit of an inside perspective i wasn't on the road trip in st louis all right so that sunday i was out you know i was looking at a couple houses i'm trying to buy a house if you guys are selling a house you think a a 20 something sports writer could afford let me know um and my phone goes off, and uh, it, it was a call from Spencer Turnbull's agent. Not Scott Boris, his, his agent before that. Um, and, like, I didn't answer it, text the guy, like, I'll call you in a few minutes, and then, like, pretty much simultaneously, the Tigers had announced Turnbull being optioned. Ended up calling him, you know, they, they, it was an off-the-record call, but uh, the gist of it uh, was no surprise. Tigers, or... Turnbull's camp was not very happy that, that he got optioned, right? Now, we talked about it, you know, kind of talk. oh, you know, I think Spencer's doing better than the numbers indicate. Well, there was no mention of injury, all right? I don't know what that means, but that's that. this is the first I learned of it. I'm just sharing how I learned of it. Um, and as we are told by Scott Harris, they met Saturday night in the hotel room. A.J. Hinch, Chris Fetter, Spencer Turnbull had this long talk told him he was getting sent down, talked about what he could do better, what the plan for him was going to be. Turnbull leaves the room, and not all that long later, phone rings, Scott Harris answers it, Turnbull's like, hey, actually, I'm hurt. Uh, I have a neck injury. And the Tigers scheduled Turnbull a doctor appointment. I do know he saw a doctor early that week. And what exactly happened between then and him actually getting placed on the IL, I think is still... A little bit up in the air uh, on Wednesday. It was the day before the Scott Harris uh, media availability. So was that Thursday? I don't even remember what day it was. Um, the day before. Like 24 hours before is when Scott Boris first entered the picture. And that seemed like, uh, correct me, like that certainly seems to be the impetus for, oh, no, we're going to put him on the IL after all. And in the words of Scott Boris, who my colleague Ken Rosenthal spoke with, uh, Boris was like, yeah, it wasn't that hard. We had him see a specialist, like we compared medicals and we all agreed there was an injury and we placed him on the IL, which is like, okay, so I, I suppose I have two lingering questions that I don't even really know the answer to from this situation. One is why would Turnbull meet with 
the executive and the manager and the pitching coach for whatever. I, I heard three hours. I don't know if that's accurate. A longer talk and not be like, okay, well, I, I've been pitching injured. And then two, why was the Tigers' first thought not, let's, you know, we see phantom ILs in baseball all the time. I guess you're, you're not technically supposed to do that, but it, it, it happens and it happens often. And in the case of a guy coming back from Tommy John, honestly, when I first heard of this Sunday, I was like, man, this is going to be a blow to Turnbull's confidence. All right. We all know Turnbull's a little bit of a, uh, he can get it in his own head a lot. Right. So I was like, man, is the option in this guy, like really they're going to be the best thing for him. A natural solution could be, oh, let's IL him, call it arm fatigue, even if they didn't know about the neck thing. And once they did, why not just IL him, right? Why was that not, oh, and he can do a rehab assignment and go through this same process without kind of the, it almost felt punitive. Like, you've been pitching poorly, we are ILing you. Now, we'll talk later, maybe that's a sign of progress for the Tigers, but, or we're not ILing you, we're optioning you. Maybe that's a sign of progress for the Tigers. But I think it was curiously handled uh, from the start. But then there's also the evident, okay, so you, you conveniently don't tell anyone you're hurt until after you're optioned. I get why people aren't very sympathetic with Spencer on that one. I don't know that I really land on one side or the other. I think it's a really weird situation that sounds like maybe neither side handled well. And uh, the old agent lost a client in the process. Uh, it, it sounds as though as an experienced agent such as Scott Boris would maybe have a way of making all this go over a little more smoothly in the first place. All right, so a couple things. Changing agents is never just something that's done just because. You, you no. just don't do that. And you don't go from, and you know I'm not trying to criticize his old agent, but you don't go from agent A to Scott Boris. It's a big Just leap. The guy, the guy, you know, used to be with an agency called ISEs. Kent Mathis is his name. And he, he had a, a smaller shop that he like started on his own, like a couple years ago. And Turnbull, it seems to be one of their biggest clients. So it went from a small shop to the most powerful agency in baseball. Pretty big change. And you do that for a purpose. And I would also add that, I don't know. I want to side with labor on this because pro labor podcast <laughs> and you know, I was there April 6th, the home opener where the comebacker came and, and Jason Beck, I believe was the first one to kind of point out, okay, maybe this is, you know, kind of where it stemmed from. And like everything else, like you, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. One of them is like, I want to give credit to the player for powering through if he is legitimately hurt, which he's on IL, so we're gonna say he's legitimately hurt because I'm not in the business of saying that somebody's you know not hurt. You know what I mean? And two, I don't think that like if he was healthy, I wouldn't consider this like bad Turnbull. Now, not up to hype Turnbull, Right now, normally when I do these notes, I like jot down like stats and all that stuff, and I'll read them off for the people. But I purposely didn't do this because I wanted to kind of go with how I felt because the stats aren't great, obviously. But I, I felt Turnbull was kind of powering through his struggles, right? Like there were moments, yeah. there were moments they were like, "There's we're seeing glimpses of the Turnbull of old." And there were moments where it's like, all right, well, he, he's not exactly there like we would want him to be. And I kind of thought that was okay, to be honest. Especially when you're already down a starter that was in your opening day rotation, i.e. Matt Manning, right? So, like, I thought it was kind of like, okay, we're still working through there. But what did I say on this podcast, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Is like... I think this is an example of the regime and with A.J. Hinch mirroring in his in-game decisions, not fucksing around, F-U-X-I-N, not fucksing around. Like, last year, does this demotion happen? I would say no. Two years ago, does this demotion happen? I would say no. This year, they are not 
fucksing around. They're not fucksing around. Like, they are legitimately trying to win as many games as possible. We kind of rolled our eyes at Scott Harris. We're going to play competitive baseball until we can't, you know. But that's what this move is. They're like, he doesn't have it right now. We're going to get him right. Now, part of it is like, you know, according to the Tigers, we laid out this plan for Spencer. We're going to, you know, it included this and it included that. Who knows what that actually, and you know, what that laid out looked like. But, I don't know, man. This this seemed to me to be something that is an example of what happens in new regimes. And new ways of looking at the team. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it seemed to be something that happened when you don't have a attachment to somebody that you brought in. You know? And... I, I feel like they weren't necessarily in a position where they had to do this. Starting rotation is not like the most solid, at, you know, right now. But they made the move anyway. And Spencer Turnbull kind of went from a place of... I hope this doesn't get interpreted in the wrong way. But a place of weakness. Where he had this meeting and then he claimed injury. Which maybe he was injured. I'm not saying he faked it. But... The timeline doesn't lend itself to be all that coherent, especially when you change agents, especially when the news doesn't break. And by the way, Scott Harris, like, not talking to the media all that much these days, you know, like a lot of GMs. And I kind of was thinking in my head, I was like, I wonder, I wonder if Scott Harris is like, you know, bro, it's kind of a dick move to make me talk to the media. Like, I don't want to talk to media <laughs> right now, you know? Like, this, like I, I, I've done my obligations. I, I went on MLB Network Radio. Things were good. And now I got to talk to media and do wow. some sort of version of it, damage it, control it, because everyone yeah, doesn't understand. It ended up being good timing. Tigers were coming off, like, their best series of the year, one of their best performances of the year. So Scott got to take, like, a mini victory lap while also addressing the Turnbull thing. Kind of worked out for him from that, that standpoint. <laughs> it was frustrating for, like... You know, we're trying to ask about this serious subject and some other topics on the horizon, and then you have the TV people asking, you know, like three different, like, how much, how much fun has it been lately? You know, <laughs> uh, from a PR standpoint, actually, the Tigers handled it pretty well. I mean, I guess a little bit of a delayed response, right? But Scott came out, had a, a definitely probably rehearsed the Turnbull thing a little bit, but kind of covered all the bases in one answer and. They say their side of the story, and it's like, oh, weren't a lot of follow-ups to ask because Scott was pretty comprehensive in the version of events that he told. Uh, it, it seems like, ultimately, this situation is, like, right. I don't know if it's resolved, per se, but it seems like both sides got this right. It just required four or five days of total awkwardness and weirdness and both sides looking a little bit bad in the process to get there. Um, now the question of course is what comes next and look, there's no way to peer right into the crystal ball and say, Oh, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. We don't quite know the answer to that one yet. I will say that Spencer Turnbull being an all-star is going to go down as the worst (laughs) prediction in the history of turning the corner pot. I gotta, I gotta wear that one. I get, there were things that looked like, like it wasn't the worst thing. It's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction. It's not because you're trying to make money on it. All right, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault you for that. I, I, I will say, you say things got it right. I think it. I would probably say okay, things were okay because Turnbull doesn't have to go down, and unless the Tigers were really just trying to save money, like what's the difference? I guess between. That's the part we didn't talk about was there was kind of this implication could service time have had something to do with it if Turnbull were to spend, I don't know, the exact amount of days, roughly five weeks in the minor leagues, it would push his free agency back uh, a year. So instead of after 2024, it would be after 2025. I believe that's correct. Speaking off the top of my head here, Um, which like. I don't know, maybe that could have been like one of many factors, but if the Tigers didn't feel very strongly about Turnbull to begin with, to the point they were going to option him, I'm not sure an extra year of control. Like, I don't think 
this was a classic case of service time manipulation by the Tigers. I don't, I mean, I, I just have a hard time fully grasping that logic. I, I doubt that played that much into it. Again, like if you were trying to manipulate service time, you would probably do it when the pitching staff is at a little bit of a healthier level. And you yeah. probably, you know, no offense to Fiedo, but you're probably not doing it to bring up Fiedo. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't necessarily seem like that doesn't seem like the move that you would kind of like write out for them. And just for the record, looking at it right now, Turnbull, as of now, is scheduled to be a free agent in 25. He's ARB eligible in 24. Um, I don't know. I I do want to believe. Like I, we we live in a society where we try to do a lot of right and wrongs, and I think we just there's a lot of gray areas and everything, right? So I think. Like, I don't blame Turnbull for trying to save face as much as possible. I also don't blame the Tigers if, you know, I'm just going to believe everything that's kind of put out there that they, you know, wanted to get things corrected. And, you know, I think Scott Harris said, like, there are, you know, maybe it's better to get these things corrected at AAA as opposed to the major leagues. And if there's a plan laid out for them, I'm cool with that. I think it is worth noting that Spencer Turnbull turns 31 this year. So, you know, maybe he feels like he, not necessarily that he's above it, but it would be a step back for him to be able to go through all that, you know? And I mean, I had a hard time thinking of another player of his level of establishment, not to say he's Garrett Cole or anything, but a guy who's proven member of a big league rotation who's thrown a no-hitter in the big leagues grand he's coming off tommy john i had trouble coming up with another comp of a guy getting straight up options which i think brings in the phantom il thing because you just see that a lot more when a, a veteran player maybe is going through something like this well it, okay so it is worth noting that phantom il thing that you brought up is that like sometimes when you have a new president of baseball ops there's some you know, kind of learning on the job about how to handle certain things. And if, if if we were to criticize Scott Harris for handling this wrong, which I'm not saying that we're doing, but if we wanted to kind of go down that path, we would say this is you, you this is this is the wrong way to take care of one of your guys, right? A guy who's thrown who's done nothing but give you the, his best, and he's thrown no hitter. And again, not to overrate Turnbull, but you know he does have something under his belt, right? So. I don't think that's the case, but we could go down that path if we were kind of like hot shot reactionary podcast, which we're not. But I'm just saying that path exists for him. So I I don't want to criticize Scott Harris in that aspect. That's why I said both things can be true. I think I do think good intentions were had here by the Tigers. I I, I like I don't. It, it, uh, so the other question that's raised, okay, he finally for whatever reason it took forever. He finally tells him he has an injury. They still optioned him. They still didn't place him on the IL. So that would indicate one of two things. It was a cost-slash-service-time-saving move, or they didn't believe he was actually hurt. I mean, I do think it's kind of weird when you and your colleagues have to write, went to the team doctor, and then went to an out-of-state specialist. I just think it's kind of weird when you have to include that, which, again, (laughs) that's what happened, not criticizing y'all or anything, but... It just kind of murkies the waters, and then changing agents also murkies the waters. Like it, it, I'm not interested in who's right per se. And it wasn't until the agent changed and he went to one of Scott Boris's doctors that this situation was, for lack of a better term, resolved. So the more I talk about it, I think I'm I'm less confused about it than I was when we started this discussion. <laughs> There's still. A couple things that, like, I, I don't know if we have a thousand percent of the whole story. Uh, I did ask AJ Hinch, like, is Spencer going to rejoin the team, you know? Or is he going to, like, rehab elsewhere? Supposedly Spencer's going to be in Detroit on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully we'll get to speak with Spencer Turnbull. Very curious to say to hear what he will have to say. Now that he's in the Scott Boris School of PR, it'll probably be less interesting than what have before, before he was a Boris client. Or maybe less. I mean, Boris is known for... And that's the other thing. Boris is known for, like, inflammatory, a little bit off-the-rails comments. His comments on Turnbull were, like, very measured, you know? 
Uh, if you go look at just what he said, he definitely didn't throw the Tigers under the bus. He did. He was just like, no, he tried to pitch through it. He didn't want to tell him. Uh, I had some doctors look at him, went to the Tigers. We all agreed it was good. It was like very tame for Scott Porras, actually. That is true. And another thing we kind of assume with how far we are advanced in medicine and sports medicine, especially where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, B, C equals D or whatever. And it's like that. It's not it's not linear, right? Yeah, it's not it's not that black and white. either. Yeah. So like, you know, if anyone who's a fan of like true crime documentaries or whatever, you can get experts that say this and then the same guy in the same field or a different guy in the same field can say this and it's completely different right so uh yeah I, if the agent gives him the doctor that's another thing too it's like the tigers are probably at the mercy of whoever like he's gonna go to via his agency you know what i mean because he's gonna probably give a favorable opinion to the player that's just how these things go all right so I kind of like jotted down some things I deemed like overreactions. I just wanted to get Cody, who is a not overreaction guy, kind of get his feel for it. So I just jotted down some things, see if uh, see see if any of these have any merit of truth. So one cash grab, maybe maybe just like you, Cody, he's trying to buy a house and he don't want to lose a little money on you know and, and he and he didn't want to. Lose his major league salary. Maybe it's a cash grab by Turnbull. All right. Maybe it's Mother's Day thing. Maybe he just didn't want to like not be a major league player on Mother's Day. You know, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, you guys are wonderful, and thank you for everything that you have happy done. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Uh, he's done. That's another thing. He is done. Like the Tigers are just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. All right. Like we. Scott Harris, I, I, I inherited this, this this guy. All right, like you know, whatever. Like he's done. Like we're just gonna put him down there, and then we'll, you know, like I, I'm not taking him seriously. Maybe Turnbull hates wearing red. You know, like he doesn't want to wear the red and the black of the Toledo uniform. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. And the other thing is, this was planned. It was planned for Scott and AJ and Fetter that. If he doesn't have it coming off the injury, this was something that they could have conceived would be a possibility. Not obviously the agent change and the injury claim and all that stuff, but just in general with like if his performance isn't there, maybe like we have enough that we can bring guys up and and we can get him right. So I know I threw a lot out there, some serious, some not, but where you kind of align on those, those things. Yeah, it, it is interesting to think, say Turnbull had Turnbull had a very good spring training. Say he had a bad spring training and he got optioned toward the end of camp. I don't think anyone would have been up in arms about it. It would have been like, oh yeah, he, he's not quite ready coming off Tommy John. Turnbull probably couldn't really argue it that much, you know, at that point in time. I think the fact he had a good spring and he showed just enough flashes, even though his ERA is in the sevens, then he gets optioned. It seems like a bigger F you. Um, now, so the question, what happens next? Are we going to see Turnbull again? I think it's, I think it's unfair to say like, oh, he's never going to throw in a Tigers uniform again. I think there's, I mean, there's a world in which that's possible, right? Say this neck thing, like say Turnbull doesn't have a good relationship with the team anymore. Say it becomes a 60 day IL stint and then, oh, he's not going to be back this year. And then, oh, off season comes around. Boom. He's not intended. We've seen stories like that play out before, right? It's not outside the realm of possibility. I would say it's all going to come down to performance. Assuming this guy gets back on a mound again soon, we'll have to learn a little bit more about his injury before we can really speculate there. Say he comes back, he does a rehab assignment and he does terrible. That's not going to bode very well. Say he comes back and he's throwing like the Turnbull we saw in 2021, the Turnbull we saw in spring training. He's going to be right back in this rotation with no problem. I think Eduardo Rodriguez is example number A that just pitching well uh, can heal a lot. And so I think Turnbull's future will come down quite simply to how he performs the next time he steps on the mound, whether that's back in the rotation whether that's maybe there's an experiment in which they try to move him to the bullpen or in which his days in this organization are numbered. 
Uh, I think that's a, a conclusion that's unfair to leap to until until he steps back on a mound again, until we at least have an idea what that timeline looks like. All right, well, let me ask you a simple question then. Does Turnbull have middle to high, you know, to high-end talent in his arm in terms of starting rotation? Does he have, is the talent there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I know there's some people who disagree with me, and but like, I don't know, suddenly we're citing wins and losses again. Like, I thought that was out the window. I don't want to hear about Turnbull's win-loss record from 2019. He's always been a little bit inconsistent. Command's not precise, but he was, I believe, 24th among Major League starting pitchers in FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, basically ERA, but it adjusts for for bad luck. Uh, 24th from 2019 to 2021. It means he's a top 25 pitcher in the major leagues if you believe in that stat. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I think he absolutely is. is yes. So then my point is Scott Harris is not in the business of just shipping out talent is, is, is why I brought that up. It shouldn't be. Maybe they, ha- maybe they have a different evaluation of him. They have more info, more data, know more about the state of his health. But in general, uh, they all seemed pretty fired up about him in spring training. Remember when Scott Harris came out and said, you know, Turnbull's return isn't getting covered enough. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've been, I've been writing about this. <laughs> uh, Scott Harris was the one who said that. So. Well, there you go. Well, okay, Scott, AJ talking about it. We've read the quotes, but you were there. Like, is there anything to, like, the body language, like, the way they approach this, like, just talking about it? Is there anything there about it? Because, again, this is a weird thing. This is not something that is regular for a GM to like talk to media about something like this time this year right now. And then obviously AJ speaks all the time, but I imagine this is one of the weirder demotion, not demotion things that he's had to speak on uh, as, uh, as the manager of the Tigers. I just kind of, yeah. you know, it, it's a little, it's a, it's a little bit of a weird thing. So they had to handle a weird thing. So I was wondering kind of how the scene was for you. I mean, again, I, I would say, like, they overall handled it pretty well. I mean, it was definitely cut from the kind of the new Scott Harris School of Communications where, you know, a little more corporate. Again, I, his answer, he had thought it out. He knew what he was going to say. And credit to him, wouldn't we all want to do the same thing? And it was a good answer. And it covered all the bases and it answered all the questions. But it was, you know, it was like from Scott, like, very polished. You know, he definitely wanted to communicate his message um aj's answer you know i did ask aj like after scott had talked aj came out to do his like regular daily thing and i was like when did you learn of turnbull's injury and he was like well i heard about it from scott uh he called scott i heard about it from scott i still haven't talked to spencer it was like one sentence and he answered the question and it's kind of weird that he hadn't talked to spencer and two when aj gives like the one sentence answer that's the like that's all i'm gonna say about this you know that was kind of his way of conveying that which was I guess that's the point of bringing Scott out, right? It seemed like that one had been a move, moved above AJ's pay grade, even though I wonder if AJ can make more than Scott, but <laughs> metaphorically his pay grade. <laughs> uh, so that's how it went down. And then, yeah, you know, Boris, you know, talked to, to multiple people about it. And as we said, wasn't as inflammatory as Scott Boris sometimes can be. That's about all the, the insights I got for you on that one. Overall, I think it's good. At least they addressed it, you know? It wasn't, at least it wasn't like left hanging in the air like Eduardo Rodriguez was for so long last summer. I guess, uh, I guess that's good. And again, I'll be very interested to see what Mr. Spencer Turnbull has to say when, when he appears in Detroit. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, that, you know, by the time this podcast publishes, like, we'll be, you know, a day out or whatever from potentially this happening. I guess he could always decline. But it would probably do him some good to talk. So uh, Scott Boris, friend of the podcast, as we said multiple times, uh, tell your boy to talk and give his side of the story. It's it's not something that we have to have animosity here or butting heads. Like you can, everything can kind of be cool. Like if I were to tell you that Spencer Turnbull, with everything we know about him, pitched through a neck injury, would anybody be shocked? Would anybody be surprised? I no. would. I wouldn't, especially 
for somebody. Um, I remember when the comebacker happened, and he wasn't the same after the comebacker, and he left the game, and we asked him afterwards, like, did that affect you? And he was like, no. And I was like, I don't believe that. Didn't know if the in- injury had lingered or not. But even when it happened, I was like, okay, your velo dipped right after that happened. Yes, it affected you. Yeah, and again, let's not dismiss the returning from Tommy John part of it. Like, if you return mm-hmm. from Tommy John and... Eh, it's a little stiff, but I can go. Like, would you not go? You probably would because you want to get yeah. back out there. You've been... You haven't been out there in a year, you know? Like, I believe that. And it... it oh, I would... Ultimately, he should have told the team before he did. Okay, yeah. I still... I, I would absolutely go pitch through an injury and be an idiot and then... What if my ERA were in the sevens and I had had seven starts at some point along the way, I might've mentioned it or when I was getting optioned, I might've mentioned it rather than after that conversation is over, you know? Well, you know, we've all been there when we've been broken up with and then all these things come up and you're like, well, what about <laughs> this? You know? And, and maybe he just, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe he just kind of felt like he was being, one more try. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he felt like he was being broken up with and, uh, and, you know what? If the fact that he didn't get demoted and got put on IL did a better job than I in trying to save face after a breakup, <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> so, uh, okay, back to uh, things on the field. We talked 30 minutes about a guy who literally didn't play this week. Um, the Tigers had some hype going in, you know, starting the week finishing the week and or fin- going to midweek and then finish the week with a uh, series loss although did win on Sunday nice win ah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you Cody I obviously root for the Tigers in every game but at minimum I was thinking can you can you get three and three this week can you get three and three this week because it would kind of support what I think this team is a little bit more, especially uh, obviously when they lost the you know the first two games of the Seattle series, because this was an interesting week. Because Cleveland obviously in the division, but a team that record wise you match up with, and then Seattle, a team record wise you match up with, and I thought you know if they go three and three this week, this would kind of be this would kind of be it. This would kind of be like a good litmus test of what this team is and i think this is a average to above average team this is what i think you take away the two and nine start this looks like an average to slightly above average team they won in different ways you could argue they outplayed the guardians on that tuesday game uh side note we talked about base running aggressiveness on the podcast last week and Tuesday was the most aggressive base running game that I Oh, that, that's cuz of us. Yeah. That's cuz of us. That's what I I'm literally saying. said I was going to ask AJ and I did and he was like I really I don't think he was prepared for the question. I don't know if he didn't listen last week <laughs> or what. He was just like, "Oh, well, you know, we have some team speed, but not a lot of team speed, but generally, you know, I I'd like to be more aggressive." And they came out and they ran all over the place that day. And then post game, right when we walk into AJ's office, he just goes, "Yeah, we had to uh, put runners in motion because Cody asked about it." And I was like, "You're welcome." You know, <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. I love the sense yeah. of humor there. Uh, yeah. To to me, because you've written about you know this week. If you're an athletic subscriber, you can read all this stuff and the stories that we'll talk about later. But you've written, it's like, is this a good team? We've talked about it. Is this a good team? And I think I've come down on a side here, Cody. This is a good team in the AL Central. I think this is a good... I think <laughs> Quite, this, well... I think this is a good... So AL. you think they're going to finish second in the AL Central? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I think there is... Is there a world where this team wins the AL Central? I think there's a world. I, uh, I think there's a yeah, world. Yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not going there quite yet. I mean... They, I think the Tigers... I think your point about the 3-3 three and three week hit it on the head. I think the Tigers are everything we saw in the past week. A team that is going to have some stretches where they get you thinking a little bit. Where they get you believing. 
where they play some clean baseball and the, and the pitching's good and and maybe Riley and Tork do a little damage. And then they're still going to have games where it's like, what's going on? They can't hit. They're messing up. You know, whatever. And a little bit of scrappiness to win some games. They don't really deserve to win like Sunday. And that's all going to amount to a team that, I don't know, probably, like we said earlier in the season, probably going to win win total somewhere in the 70s. That's what I think this team is. It just doesn't look uniform that all the time. Because this is a young team with a lot of unproven players, with a lot of moving parts. Uh, I think it, it, that's why it's going to continue to look a little bit non-uniform. The hope is you can smooth it out, get a little more consistent play. But we thought we were headed there, right, for two weeks. And then, man, those first two games, really the whole Seattle series was, was pretty not very good baseball. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong here. But again, like if I were... I got headlines this week about Carlos Correa being like, oh, yeah, I would boo myself too. And it's like, this is the first place team in your division? Are you not supposed to, like, if you're, like, part of the team, if you're part of the team, are you not supposed to feel like, all right, well, they're booing the guy that they were lucky to get last year, and then circumstance, weird circumstances dictated that you got him again. Like, how are you not supposed to feel like... I love love a player taking accountability, though. I mean, come on. That's amazing. We still got guys in this clubhouse who don't want to talk after they do poorly. I mean, that's fair, too, but (laughs) that doesn't take away from the... (laughs) That doesn't take away from the actual booing that is going on here, all right? (laughs) Oh, right, right. Yeah, and the reasons for it, you know, like, both things can be true there. I'm just saying this is a weak division, like... Oh, this division's been terrible. No doubt about I mean, that. We, we got stories about like Reinstorf in Chicago. Whether what, you know, what's he gonna do in his old like? It, it's 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 a weird deal. And earlier this week, you know, ESPN, uh, I think Doolittle for uh, ESPN uh, Plus was like, you know, like the Tigers like won two games and they just narrowly avoided like getting the wire bad team so bad article. You know. <laughs> But they still shouted out Eduardo Rodriguez, that situation, which, uh, you know, is not going to be a major topic today because nothing's really changed. He's dealing. You know, I guess we got we, we, we do have to mention it. He's dealing. There could be some uncomfortable conversations. Are you comfortable trading away the Cy Young winner? But that's a conversation for a different day. Uh, but this team is right there. And all right. So we'll we'll go into some of the reasons why the team is probably going to fall short of what I said like could happen. And I emphasize could. Could happen. But I want to talk about one of the things that's going to be cru- crucial for the team for the next five years, ten years. Riley Green. Riley Green's a guy that, as important as he is to this team and its future, we... I don't feel like we talk about him as much as we should. And again, it's not like I take ownership of that, but then again, like there wasn't a whole lot of like something new to talk about. Right. We talked about in spring training. It's like, why is no one talking about Riley green? And then he starts out and he kind of continues what he did last year. Some good moments and, you know, but overall you're kind of looking for more. Okay, so he born, I don't know if he's born in Florida, but raised in Florida. Uh, you know, maybe he's just a hot weather guy. Maybe maybe he just is not a fringe, fridge weather guy because uh, May starts and he starts hitting. He starts pulling the ball. And all of a sudden, this guy looks like one of the up-and-comers of baseball, which we all knew was there for him. So you wrote about it this week, Cody. You you examined it. You talked to him. You you followed him since even before he was in the major leagues. What is happening? Is anything actually happening with Riley, or is it an example of things correcting themselves with him? So uh, where do you kind of fall on that? Well, I fall, I think Riley Green, I mean, he's already hot, number one. He's hitting 383 in May, but I think he's trending toward a bigger breakout. Like, I think June and July could turn into the summer Riley Green. You know, I think I think the power is going to come, is what I mean by that. 
I think I watch Riley Green's at bats closer than probably anybody because I think it's arguably the most important storyline on this team. He and Torkelson, what are they? Is it coming? And there was that stretch, as we talked about on the pod. I was I was really concerned because they weren't Riley Green at bats. They were they were bad swings. They were taking your head off the ball. The swing mechanics were bad. It was four three four three four three ground outs to second over and over. And it's like, all right, what's he doing? And you talk to him a little bit, and and you can see the. This, when you talk about swing mechanics, right, that implies that a guy needs to change his batting stance or his hand placement or whatever. And it's not that with Riley. He has a natural sweet swing, but the bat path was getting just off, right? He's uppercutting and he's slicing through the zone rather than staying through the ball is, is the layman's term way to put it. And Riley knew that and he worked to correct it. And it's one of those things that I guess a little bit inexplicable about baseball. Sometimes it just takes time to click. Talked to Riley about it once he started getting some hits to fall, pulling the ball in the air a little bit. What are you doing differently? Nothing, really. Because he he, he wasn't really doing anything differently. He had been working on this bat path thing for a while, and he just finally started to get the results in the games a little bit. We're now seeing it for a 47 at-bat stretch, hitting 383. The power's coming a little bit, pulling more balls in the air. The exit velo's been off the charts. Now, he's getting a little bit lucky with the BABIP. Um, strikeouts are still kind of high. There's still some ground balls to second mixed in. But if things continue on this trajectory, and this is not going to say that Riley Green's never going to have another bad two weeks. He could have a bad week the next two weeks. But I, I see signs of a guy who is really close to unlocking something and becoming his best. I mean, I was watching Julio Rodriguez play today and, and – thinking, wow, you know, watching these two guys battle in the AL for another 12 years could be a lot of fun. And you're right, no one on the national stage right now is thinking of Riley Green on the same level as Julio Rodriguez, one, because of the team, and two, because of Julio has already proven what he can be with what he did last year. Julio Rodriguez off to a very slow start. Riley Green has better numbers than him so far this year, and I think his ceiling could be very much uh, at or close to uh, Julio Rodriguez. We'll see if I'm right on this one, but I think I, I think Riley's really close to taking things to a, a different level. You ever run into somebody who is gotten rid of a vice that you still have and thinking, good for you, don't follow down my path. <laughs> That's what I think about with Riley Green and Twitter. Like, he's, <laughs> he, he, he's off Twitter. I, I tell this all the time. It's like, you know... I see somebody that's, you know, they say, oh, I can't do Twitter. I literally say, good for you, but I, 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 I can't not do it. Like, I, I love it so much. It has a lot of bad things. I'm not going to lie, but I love it so much. And, uh, and I thought that was a good thing too, because, you know, Riley, what is he, 24 now? I mean, I don't have it in front of me. And, you know, be a oh, young guy. He's not, he's not 24. 23? He's not 24. I, I, well, 22. Okay, so he's got the mustache of a, 20, of a 32-year-old. <laughs> uh, as I put on Twitter, uh, did the mustache walk so that the uh, re, rejuvenated beard could run? Uh, <laughs> I just feel like this was a... Every time I read about Riley, I find myself thinking this is a mature professional baseball player. Uh, this is a guy who is sure of himself, but also knows he has much left, much more to prove. And I don't know. It seems like a guy that, you know, shout out Mother's Day today. Seems like a guy who was raised right. Seems like a guy who never thought he was in a place that he didn't belong and was confident in himself. So I mean, we talked about all these like small things that he was like working on and, you know, and how he doesn't want to put narratives out there about him in terms of like, you know, trying to uh, elevate the cuss word, elevate the ball. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I just feel like th this is an example of things coming together. And I think we got to give credit to the, the hitting staff here as well. Um, you know, been working with him. You know, he, you know, shout out Detroit, three one three, I believe, with uh, hitting and runner with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's this season. I mean, that's it's pretty dang good. It's pretty dang good. And with all the things that we've talked about, 
in regards to A.J. Hinch and, and how he constructs this lineup, there's not a lot that has moved him off of Riley hitting in the two-hole. And if A.J. thought it'd be better if he was three, it'd be better if he was one, it'd be better if he was four, you know, whatever, A.J. would do so. And he, again, largely has not. That's one of the things that you kind of bet your bottom dollar on is that Riley Green, regardless of pitching matchup, is going to be batting second. And again, playing center field, I don't know if I've seen anything that made me think, you know, get him out of there, let's experiment with somebody else in center. I, and he's relatively aggressive on the base pass, not overly aggressive. Was he got four or five steals now? as well five steals five, yeah, five steals good. and a guy who and he's a smart base other than his he ran into that out in milwaukee but generally he's a very smart base runner and five steals zero cost stealing it doesn't there's matt veerling who has elite speed is four steals four cost steals. yeah so. i wouldn't deem riley a natural runner if you just look at him it doesn't necessarily <laughs> doesn't necessarily look like the the greatest flow but he knows how to pick his spot he's a baseball player and and he's always kind of exuded that confidence, and uh, I don't know if that's like you know percolating throughout the clubhouse, but this seems like a guy who's kind of coming into his own, and it, and more so than you know the eighteen and twenty one record as we sit here today. This seems like one of the better signs for the Tigers, I would say. Yeah, and another sh- on the accountability thing, I do have to shout out Riley and, and Spencer Torkelson again. Two young guys who have been under immense pressure from the day they were drafted, even before that, uh, who have dealt with a lot of media, you know, since they were teenagers, and they've stood there and taken every question and and every bullet and talked about the ups and downs of their young pro careers. Never seen either one deny a request post game the other day. Uh, I don't think Riley had even done much in that game. Kind of no one was in the in the clubhouse. And uh, one of my fellow beat writers goes up to Riley. And he's like, do you mind taking this bullet? Just kind of talk about the team, the game as a whole, you know? And Riley's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, they show a lot of maturity when they do that, in my opinion. Like I said, there, there are other players who don't. Um, that used to be more of a thing in baseball where, like, if you're, in, if you're a pro, you got to be accountable, good and bad, with, with the media. And those two dudes... The performance, we're still waiting for it to fully turn that corner, but uh, the, in terms of their level of professionalism, they, uh, they they do a great job. Okay, so you mentioned them right there. Am I wrong? For... And Torque, Torque, by the way, is turning. Torque has been bringing some heat with his quotes lately too. By the way, we talked about something he said the other day. I talked to him in uh, Cleveland, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not it's not a Morgan here. Last year, everyone would come in all sad." A little bit of a low-key dig at last year's team, which I was like, okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I'm glad you saw that, too, because I definitely saw it, you know. Torch, Torch brings some heat with the quotes. Okay, so... Not in a bad... Not, in like, just, not in like, he's stirring up controversy. Sorry, Tigers PR. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like he's, he's being quotable, man. I like that. No, 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 no. I, I, I like that. I hope that's not misinterpreted at all. I, I, I do... Since you brought it up there... Uh, and you wrote about it. Another thing, if you're an athletic subscriber, you can read. Like, we talked about it a little bit last week with the whole, you know, you gave us too many outs, which, by the way, today's game, yeah. another example of you gave us too many outs, you know, love that attitude. <sighs> is there anything, again, we, we talked about a little, you know, just a little earlier about is it a good team, is it not a good team, you know, whatever. Is it a different team? Is it a different team than last year? Because there's a lot of the same guys. There's a lot of the same guys. There's some new ones. But in terms of guys that would be voices, a lot of the same. And it does feel to me to be a different team. It feels to me to be a team that I actually do think, like, literally, all right, they're down 2 nothing in the third. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can come back from this. I can't tell you I thought that last year. I can't tell you I thought that two years ago. And to and today, today, so why do you win Sunday's game? You win it because you have a hit by pitch and you have two walks essentially. And in, in, in the what was it, the seventh inning? Uh and I don't 
No, I mean, hit by pitch is a little bit different, but in terms of drawing walks with uh, bases loaded, seems to me something regarding dominating the strike zone. Mm. You won that game because Matt Brash fumbled the bag. All right, none of those pitches were anywhere close to the strike zone. Not to take away well, from the Tigers. Hitters, homeboy got a call ow. though. Homeboy got a call that was like three three ball lengths outside the zone on one of those. <laughs> Torkelson, yeah. Uh, so like, it, but it's still a thing. It's still a thing. This is that. That's the game that the Tigers would have lost years past. Like you would have had your reliever come in and. I mean, it still happens. It's baseball. It's gonna. It happens this year. It will happen again or whatever for the Tigers. But that's a game that you, if you want to feel good about yourself going into the weekend or excuse me, going into the next week, you, you got to find a way. And they found I, a way. In a weird way, it's it's stupid to call any game in a 162 game season like a must win or whatever. But I felt like they kind of needed that one, right? Yeah. Even though we kind of make fun of people who like get too hyped up on the momentum train, you know things are looking up and then if you just get swept and you don't play very good in three days it would have been it would have it would have been a little bit of a downer all right i think this kind of keeps the wave rolling and you're three and three all right roll up your sleeves we got the pirates coming into town they're starting to falter a little bit i think they needed that sunday game well do do you see because as you alluded to earlier you were in cleveland do you see like what spencer's like referring to when, oh, when... oh 10 thousand percent okay like i just said i'm glad he said that because last year i said it all last year there was just a it was kind of a tense like negative vibe in the clubhouse it wasn't that anyone was uh you know an a-hole or anything but it seemed like you know that there was kind of some pouting that would go on is probably the best way to phrase it you know and i wonder if I don't know the full inner workings. Maybe it got a little bit clicky at times. This year's team just seems closer, all right? See relief pitchers hanging out with position players, and they're kind of eating meals together. The vibe when you walk in after a loss or the day after a loss, it really is. It's, it, it feels like a new day. Um, and those are things when you're in there every day, you pick up on that energy, you pick up on a team's energy, good or bad. This team's energy is is 10,000% better than, than last year's team. Um, still know exactly what, what was wrong that was in that water last year, but something caused it to go bad pretty early and it never really changed. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, so I want to say one thing, obviously Cody and I have known each other for years now. And one of the things that we used to always laugh about is at every media day for the football team or the men's basketball <laughs> team that we would cover together is like every year they were like brothers at Oklahoma state. Every year they were like brothers. Every year it was closer than the last. And, and we would laugh about that knowing that, you know, largely it was BS. So Cody voluntarily said that. So if he said it, that means he actually, like, believes what he just like, said. Yeah, yeah. I, so I just want to make uh, that clear. Yeah. It's This is not, like, some hyperbole thing that you would do. Like, you say it, you believe it, like anything else. But I wanted to give an anecdotal example. Uh, uh, another thing, like we talked about Scott Harris, like, you know, talking to the media regarding the Turnbull thing earlier. Uh, if this Turnbull stuff didn't take like a weird turn, we would be talking about his quotes regarding being on MLB network and calling a uh, hobby bias, you know, like the tone setter for the team, you know? And, and, and that was something that, you know, was was largely unexpected because I, I don't know his regular media routine, especially when it comes to national media. But you know, we we have we we're still in the midst of good hobby right now, so I I don't want to let that slip because you know it, it's it, it's hobby. Like it could it could slip tomorrow. You know what I mean? Even though they're not playing, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like because we, we've actually had good hobby for underrated how long he's sustained some good performance going on a month here he's been good he's playing like a top 10 shortstop in baseball yeah and that's without the power hasn't really clicked for him yeah that's true but he's still i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this on twitter i'm gonna put i'm gonna i'm gonna do like a twitter thread at some point like mystery shortstops if you just look at his strikeout and walk rate you know compare it to other major league shortstops of, of high profile it is you wouldn't guess which one was Javi Baez. Big fan of the blind test. Uh, I think that's that makes for good social media fodder. Uh, 
you know, back in the day, they had the Coke versus Pepsi thing. If you watch the Netflix documentary, Pepsi, Where's My Jet? They do that as well. Fun documentary. Shout out Netflix, friend of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that was an example, like the Scott Harris thing. It's like when good vibes were had and then there were weird vibes, I would say, this weekend. Uh, <laughs> on and, and off the field. But uh, all right, so speaking of Scott Harris, I, I want to knock this out before I forget. A uh, little Harris kind of guy shout out. I'm bending the rules here, Cody. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Akil Badu. Like I, Ooh, I, interesting. I, here's the thing. Like we do a podcast about the Detroit Tigers, and there's a guy who you know has been a fun player for a couple years. He's had his up and down. I would say, you know, he had the game tying double today. By the way. He's a guy who's taking advantage. He's not come and run with it, but he's taking advantage of his opportunity presented to him by the Austin Meadows mental health situation and Kerry Carpenter being on the IL. But I'm just I just have to find a way to give a shout out to a guy who can take a ball to the groin area <laughs> and then get tagged out. While stealing second base. And then stay in the game. <laughs> like, I don't know if Scott Harris values toughness. But I to me, I that's deserving of a shout out. So shout out Akil Badu, Harris kind of guy number one, because I feel like if, if if Scott Harris says, Who loves baseball? I don't know the guy who took a ball off the nads and then stayed in the game. And the and, and was viral on Twitter for the unfor like leading morning shows, you know what I mean? For hey, something funny happened in baseball yesterday, and to stick with it and to end the week with a game tying double opposite field. Shout out Akil Badu. I'm sorry, Harris kind of guy number one. I'm sorry, I, I have to do it. So I, I like, I like it. it. I like it. And it's in a week where the, the HKG OGs and Matt Veerling and Nick Maton are, are both going through it a little bit. So number one spot's up for grabs. All right. So, okay. So it's funny you mentioned Maton. Oof. <sighs> or should I say woof? <laughs> There's a conversation. As I said, Tigers right now, 18 and 21. So, you know, you're middle of the pack. You're... You know, more or less a 500 team, right? AJ Hinch. I don't know what you call how he has to construct these lineups right now. If you call it one hand tied behind your back, maybe one and a half hands tied behind your back, because third base is a problem, which is kind of weird because we thought third base is going to be a problem coming into the year. And then. Maton explodes in spring training. You're like, oh, okay, it's fine. And what is he hitting? Like 147 or, you know, whatever. Am I mm-hmm. uh, am I on a rate? Thereabouts. Uh, thereabouts. Yeah. And he's DHing in addition to his third base time. Like, it's not how you want to construct a lineup. And look, he's had some highs. And I don't think. I've seen him not make a play where I thought he's like, I don't consider him a liability at third base. I don't know what the metrics say, but I don't consider him a liability at third base. Just a couple weeks ago, he had a nice snag on a line drive, but you can't have him hitting fifth DHing and batting 147 or 160 or whatever the hell it is. It just can't, you can't, it cannot happen. All right. And, <laughs> Second base, Zach McKinstry, a guy who we rolled our eyes at for a couple weeks and has become a valuable, productive player. And I emphasize just like the the meaning of those words, a valuable and productive player. Productive to the scale, again, you know what I mean? Like not putting anything else on him. But he's in the lineup basically every day now. And... Here, here's a stat. This is entering today. This is according to baseball reference. Third baseman for the Tigers. Point 
nine war. That's third last in baseball. Second baseman, point four. That's 20th in baseball. Two infield positions where you're getting not a lot. And, you know, in fairness, Jamer is not doing so hot. And Harold is Harold. But, you know, in terms of the guys that were there last year and not here anymore. But I, I feel like this is a conversation because the Nevin thing didn't work, although he had a home run this week. Shout out to Nevin uh, over there in Toledo. But there's a conversation to be had here about what to do with the third base thing because in 2021 and 2022, Nick Maton played 86 games in the minor leagues. It's not like he's been a full-time major leaguer. And Justin Henry Malloy is batting, entering Sunday. 321 and six home runs. I think he hit one today. That makes it number seven. We're not going to do this thing, Cody, because we avoid this at all costs. We're not going to do this thing where we say, oh, well, you know, he's doing this in AAA, so he's going to come here and do the same thing. But I will say it's getting increasingly harder to keep him down there when your production at third base is so poor. And Abanez has played well. I, I'm not going to take anything away from him. But he's not locking it down. So, like, you you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a method to, to, to bring up Jahan. And by the way, if you don't love him at third base... You still have a corner outfield spot that you're kind of platooning. So, like, I don't know how much he's working in Toledo or in between days or whatever to do outfield stuff, but it seems to me like the more we the the more we progress through the summer, the less reason there is to bring up Justin Henry Malloy. It's an interesting discussion. I think the Tigers are still taking their time there with Jahan. I, in fact, told that they're pretty worried about the defense. I almost wonder if they'd bring back Tyler Nevin before they bring up Jahan. Fans wouldn't like it, but I think that could be a possibility. I do think Nick Maton is on pretty thin ice right now. Um, he's in 111 against breaking balls, zero against off-speed pitches. He's, getting, he's never seen fastballs anymore. If they are, they're up-chase fastballs. He's become an automatic out. We're over 100 at-bats here. It's it, it's it's rough, and it's a little bit tough from a development standpoint. Sometimes we forget that Nick Maton is still very young, I guess because he wasn't a Tigers prospect. This guy doesn't have many more. This guy has fewer at-bats in the big leagues than Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, actually. But sending him to AAA, probably not going to help him hit the breaking ball. It's like, the, like does that help him, you know? No, he's going to go face bad AAA pitchers who don't have as good of breaking balls, who don't throw it as often. He, if you send Nick Maidon to AAA, he's probably going to he's probably going to wreck. But if you keep him in the big leagues and you're trying to win games, you can't have him hitting 100. I, I it's a little bit tough. You wish he were doing a little bit more. I think his struggles are getting to the point where they can't go on much longer. I don't make that call if it were me. It'd probably, it'd probably be time at least give him a mental reset or whatever. We're heading there. Now, in terms of second base, Zach McKinstry's still not getting enough credit, man. He's in 273. He's got a 356 on base. In terms of WRC+, plus, he entered Sunday leading every player who began the season on the Tigers' major league roster. So I was as skeptical of McKinstry as anyone. Still kind of am a little bit. I think he and Abanez both kind of seem like these are guys who you can, you can catch on a wave for 80 games and they can kind of carry you through and then might never be heard from again. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what it feels like. McKinstry, he's entrenched in your leadoff spot against right-handed pitching, playing good defense, playing multiple positions. Like, you got to give the guy his flowers. He's taken his opportunity and kind of ran with it a little bit. For the short-term future, he can, he can hold down second base for you for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I've um, used this phrase for a couple of dudes, honestly. There's nothing really wrong with him. Like, you know, it's not great, but there's nothing really wrong with him, per se. And again, like, the Tigers, 
knock on wood, are not like injury ridden like they were last year, but there are substantial injuries that they've endured. And I, when I say injuries, I'm including Austin Meadows going through, you know, his mental health process. And then you throw in Kerry Carpenter and, you know, and, and, and the pitchers, you know, Matt Manning, namely Bo Brisky, we're still getting, you know, we're still kind of figuring out what that's all about. And like, it's, it's not nothing that they've dealt with from the injury front. So, and again, the, you could, how do you want to characterize an 18 and 21 record at this point? You can give credit to a lot of people. So, uh, so yeah. One thing I mean, I'm worried about a little bit, Kieran, is is the pitching depth's taking a hit pretty quickly. Turnbull hurt, Manning hurt, Brisky hurt. Okay, some of the guys you were relying on for your depth was Brisky, who's hurt, Garrett Hill, who's been not very good. Uh, Reese Olsen has been not very good. Wilmer Flores is not close to ready yet. Wentz has struggled. Boyd struggled. If these guys don't get it together, you, you your starting pitching could be in trouble. I'm worried about the starting pitching over the next month. I think it could be Erod and then four days of better hope. Better hope you get a decent performance. Which again, to go back to the first half of our podcast, is why I'm not interested in you know the the most extreme point of view with the Turnbull thing where it's like if he has talent in the arm and we know Turnbull can gut through some outings we've seen that this year uh I'm not interested in just throwing that away you know yeah and I'm sure the Tigers uh brass is uh aware of that as well so all right Cody uh anything else we gotta get to before we get out of here I feel like we talked about a lot of stuff this week. Tigers are giving us some stuff to talk about these days, both good, both uh, confusing in the case of Turnbull, both bad and that there's still some things we're worried about. I like it. I, I like to think that makes for a good podcast. It makes for a fun watch, and it makes for a fun podcast to produce, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy talking about it. So you can follow Cody on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen, I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Follow the pod at Turn Corner Pod, Apple, Spotify, five-star review if you feel so inclined. On the YouTube, Turning Corner Podcast, putting up a video, video or two per week. And plan on going later in June uh, to the Tigers and Rangers game, one of the games uh, during that weekday set. Not sure exactly which one, but I'll be sure to share it. Going to have my dad there. Going to be a great, wholesome experience as he continues to rehab from his accident. Things are great on that front, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll love to be able to see his Tigers again uh, for the first time in a while. So want to thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody for subscribing to The Athletic, to the podcast, and following us on Twitter. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Karen Steckley. Everybody have a great week.